question was was racism in that time what was it a thing or was every country was segregated everyone hated everybody right it wasn't necessarily a it wasn't a, a white versus black or anything like that it was just like roman versus whatever the jews or mm-hmm. fucking the greeks or you know greeks are shitty people but <laughs> when did it become a okay when did it become a land this is our people, this is our country, and we're protecting it. When did it come that versus a, a race thing? Versus just like America versus the Mexicans because the Mexicans are going to invade us. Like when did it become a, a race of people versus a country of people who are trying to attack you or take your land or yep. okay. whatever? Right. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I think it goes way further back than you're thinking. So countries are imaginary lines and groups of people who agree with each other, sure. right? At the end of the day, when you go all the way back. Um, have you seen The Revenant with uh, DiCaprio? About, That's uh, the one in the wild with the bear. With the yeah, with the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that movie does a good job. Uh, there's many movies have done a good job of highlighting this, but even like the plight of indigenous people in this country and many countries is something that's fascinating and heartbreaking and something that you can easily see why indigenous people in we'll just say with within the States hate the people who came here and stole it from them, even though they have that unified hatred of the people who stole their land, the, the tribes of America and you know, whatever we call America, not only hated each other, straight up fucking savaged each other, like would have loved to wipe out each other. And I think I'm not a fucking anthropologist, but like, I, I do think from what I know that that is well documented, like literally as long as, um, human history exists that has been well-documented that regardless of where your invisible line is and regardless of the reach of your people that you elected or people who claimed for themselves through either violence or money or whatever, that I'm in charge of other people when it comes down to, Oh, now we're interacting with other people who are not a part of our group, or now I want something that you have, or I need to defend myself from something that you want. And I don't think that that's necessarily at its core racism. It's just the out group. And then as humans began to realize that, oh, there's a ton of outgroups who look different, who speak different, who uh, th- their God is different. Imagine, imagine coming from a society where you worship God. I'm not going to say a God or your, literally just all you know of religion is just your religion is that that is religion. And then you learn that there is this other group of people that like, worship a hundred gods or whatever. Like imagine how visceral that is for you. So um, when you go back to the the Roman question, the Roman empire was one of the largest empires in the world that did not happen through diplomacy. That did not happen through some sort of lottery or back room card game. They came into countries and said, we want what you have, whether it be your people, your army, your resources, the physical land, and then took it. And, so just by uh, the intrinsic nature of them wanting what you have, they hate you. And then in response to how the Romans treated your people, you hate Romans. Sure. That lays a fucking strong, unshakable groundwork for what becomes racism or ethnocentrism or nationalism or whatever 
and I'm, that was happening even before them, but the Romans did the best job of like making it nearly global. Genghis Khan, Napoleon did also good jobs in, in their, their time, especially when you think about it, how boy, it's insane when you look at, despite having no, not even the technology, even the ability to make accurate maps, they were still able to be like, Hey, I have a third of the world under my fucking reign right now. That, that, that creates generational hatred. And then you don't even need to learn why you hate him in the first place. You just grow up learning. They're like, yeah, we fucking hate Romans. Fuck Romans. That's all you need to know. We're poor and we don't have farms anymore because the Romans. I don't need to give you a fucking history lesson. Just know that us Greeks hate Romans. So look, whatever. It just, um, so, so with, with, with that basis of where it comes from, plus what we're talking about as far as the world slowly melting together, becoming this collaborative melting pot. Is there any possibility that racism ever completely goes away? No, I don't think so either. Because the population is only increasing. Countries become melting pots, but then those countries are still not the other countries. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good point. Uh, but I think the the Canada thing is interesting. So take the French Canadians out, who are again terrible people. Yeah, they just they drink their own pee and yeah, savages. My experience up there has been that I feel like the least racist would be the easy way to say it. Like people are very accepting of everybody. And like Toronto is fucking nuts. I mean, like you spend time up there, like yep. it is every race and creed and everything. Yep. Like I would call, I I've always called it a very like clean and orderly Chicago. It has that very huge city feel. It's on a giant body of water. It's an international sure. epicenter in but its own right. And it's, it's not, as far as I can tell, it's not Milwaukee. It's not the, yep. the, it's not a segregated. They're doing setting. it better. They're doing it better. Yep. Everyone's living together in relative harmony and everyone's getting along. I, right? I mean, I would say to the Within extent, reason. I mean, wholeheartedly, definitively better than any example in America, any yes. major city. In that's America. what I'm getting. That's yes. what I'm getting at. I, I'm not, I don't have a finger on the pulse of like Canadian society on like a daily basis. I don't know of any sort of like, the kind of shit that we see in America all the time. I don't know of any example of that in America. So in, like, in the Canada. So like, is there uh is there a black lives matter thing that's happening in Canada? Like if there is, I haven't heard about it. That doesn't mean that there's I, not. I mean, I know that there are black lives matter protests, black lives matter protests happened globally this year or in 2020. Um, I, I can only, it just only makes sense to imagine that in a free democracy in which people aren't, expectedly repressed, oppressed, or punished for expressing their viewpoints in society by their government, i.e. Canada. These are, those are free people. They just have a slightly different government than we do. They have non-white, they certainly have black members of their society. They have many, they have indigenous people. They have huge uh, Asian American population. Sure. Sorry, not Asian, Asian populations. Um, I'm sure that there are plenty of things where they, everyone wants representation for their people in everything, even in entertainment, let alone in their government, in their workplace or whatever. And no place has achieved this, this sort of equilibrium of like, everyone feels like we're all part of the same fucking rainbow and which that, and that undoubtedly leads to strife and debate or protest straight up fucking violence until you achieve some level of that equilibrium that quells the anger. Okay. But I think we can agree that we feel that they are way more progressive than we are. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So, so why, what, what is it about them versus us? Like their history, you know, how long they've been around, who has 
imported to there. Why are they on a different playing field than us? Cup two, I think, you know, again, I'm not a fucking anthrop- anthropologist and I'm not a historian, but two things that seem obvious to me is one, um, I, I'm going to say proud because there's so much stupid shit happens in the party, but uh, proud white man. Uh, yeah, no, I am a, a Democrat. Like I am, I, I'm a registered Democrat. I, I, for in knowing that the other option is Republican, like I am a Democrat and there's a lot of problems that I have with people within the party, but, um, uh, fuck if I know, man, I, <laughs> fucking making all this up. The two, the two, the two things were one, a huge thing is that Canada did not have the civil war. Okay. Th- that has a huge fucking impact is, on, uh, is, Oh, I got, I got, I got Hold on. Hold on. Uh, Population size. Th- okay. That was the other thing. So, oh, so uh, that's, this is where I go. Um, when people say like, why can't we have universal basic income? Denmark does it. It's infuriating to hear someone say, look at this ant farm of 800,000 people who are almost all identical, culturally, racially, whatever. If they can do it, why can't we of a place who is a hundred times bigger and way more di- uh, cu- uh, culturally, racially, religiously, whatever, diverse. Bigger, yeah. No, just like all of these yeah. different people. Denmark is like fucking Denmark. Denmark. Yeah. We are not there. It's so difficult to go to any place in America and be like, look how American this is. This is why you have like little Italy and fucking Chinatown and the white suburbs and the impoverished black areas like that. Like, so you can't, it's easier for smaller nations, especially ones that have very long histories to get their shit together because they kind of regulate like sure. we are this people and this is how we work. That's a lot more manageable at smaller numbers and a smaller level of cultural diversity. So it's a unique problem that I think we and a few other nations face that have not, because we are a melting pot when we pride ourselves on that, that we have not actively, at least as a government, watch the movie gangs of New York and you'll see how like Italians and Irish used to be treated how black people were treated 50 years later. It was like, get the, them the fuck out of here. This is, this is muddying the the bloodline of America. And I was like, dude, well, everyone is coming from a different place. And then you come here and you want to close the door behind you. So we have been, we are the new kid on the block and somehow we have elevated ourselves being we're the most powerful country in the world. It is a uniquely powerful and profound experience to go to something like Munich and stand in a church that has been standing for 700 years longer than America has even been a country. And you start to realize like, holy fuck, even with the best of intentions, we have no right standing up and being like, we are, I hate when people call the president, even for a president that I like, the strongest or the most powerful man in the world. Dude, we have, we're give good branding and money and big guns. We the, the idea, we're the, we're, we have no historical grounding right so it's much easier for us to become a shit show because we don't have this history and kind of like um ethnic and we're so jumbled we are such a melting pot that that does create problems canada does not have that same problem Mm -hmm. the other thing is so it was the um population size and that oh that and slavery i really it's, it's specifically as it relates to america is that that laid the groundwork for such literal physical division, but also cultural financial division. There's a, I think I told you about the free state of Jones, the McConaughey movie. So there is this movie that's, that's been out for a while. Um, it was the beginning of the McConaughey which Ooh. do you know what I'm talking about? When I said, no. so for the longest time, 
basically between um, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High to maybe a little bit before the Wolf of Wall Street, McConaughey was like party bro, like either like stoner dude or 10 days to launch how to lose a girl or no, a failure to launch how to lose a girl in 10 days. He was like the romantic comedy guy. And then all of a sudden he was like, I'm going to do Dallas Buyers Club, Mud, True Blood, Wolf of Wall Street, McConaughey. Oh, true detective. True detective. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, remember yeah, yeah. when he was yeah, that yeah. gay vampire yeah. in the South? Um, uh, just, he had My this, fantasy. He had this unbelievable string where he literally was like, and I love listening to him do podcasts because he had two years where he, he it was a conscious decision because he had guaranteed money coming. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm going to do this Reese Witherspoon rom-com. And then he was like, I'm done doing that. I'm ready to fucking work my chops. And then the studios were like, yeah, but that's not your brand. We have John Malkovich. We have Daniel Day-Lewis. We have... Tom Hanks. We don't need washboard sure. abs, fucking bleach blonde hair. And then I don't remember what the first movie was, but when he got that first chance, um, it, he was able to like change his brand decades into his career. I give him so much credit for this. And he started taking on these projects that were so different from like what he was known for. I feel like Shia LaBeouf has gone down a somewhat similar route. And uh, we're talking about honey boy, right? Yeah. Like, so, um, so he does this movie, McConaughey does a movie called The Free State of Jones. And this is a, a historical, uh, accurate movie about this, we'll just call it like a township or whatever, in yeah. Mississippi during the Civil War, where the, the beginning of the movie and the, really the whole takeaway of the movie emphasizes the fact, and I wish when I hear these bubbas talking about, well, I want the Confederate flag flown at the South Carolina State House. And in my school, because it's representative of my history and my culture. It's not about slavery. It's about my people and my history. Look at the, this isn't, this is not, uh, and when people say like, oh, fact checkers are biased and like whatever. It is a fact that during the civil war, the Confederacy gave a pass to slave owners to not fight in the war because not only, I mean, whatever they would never say like real reasons, but it was very easy from an economic standpoint to be like, listen, we need these slave owners managing their slaves because it's their money and the taxes that they pay that make cannons and stuff like that. So like we need the people making the money to make the money so we can fight the war. And it just got to a point where that it started off with like the first son of the plantation doesn't have to fight. But as the war went on, that became half of the kids. And then it literally just became to the point of like, if you don't own a slaves, you fight and if you don't own slaves, you, if you do own slaves, you make money for the Confederacy. And then it just got to the point where, like, and this starts off with McConaughey is one of these people. He lives in fucking Jones, Mississippi, and he is fighting for the Confederacy. And he's, you know, conditioned in a certain way to be like, yeah, we're fighting for our way of life. And there's this, this profound moment where his nephew gets enlisted. He's like 14 and he's crying and he's literally like pulling him into battle because it's, uh, and it still is within our own right now in, in America, like it is illegal to abandon your post. Your, yeah. Your orders. You were told to go into war. And if you walk in the opposite direction, you can at the, at best be arrested. Yeah. So he is pulling his nephew into, into the trenches and he's sobbing and he's like, doesn't, he's like, doesn't even know how to put his bayonet on. There's no fucking training or whatever. And his, his nephew ends up getting shot in the fucking face and dies and then he just gets to this point where he's like, looking around, he's like, what the, what are we doing? Like, who am I fighting for? Sure. And it, it, it's this true story of how he was able to rally this like group 
of soldiers that tur- and turned into them bringing their families. They literally built this community in the swamp where the Confederacy couldn't bring their horses. The horses was like the whole leg up. Like the horses equaled power and you would need horses to bring in like the Gatling gun and everything. Um, they were able to, all of these people abandon the Confederacy. And then this is probably a huge reason why they can, why the South lost the war is it turned into a two front war of their fighting the union, but then also they dedicated huge amounts of resources to like tracking down and like killing or arresting their own troops that were abandoning the war during the civil war. And they spread themselves too thin. And this free state of Jones at one point was like thousands of people in the swamp. And at a certain point they're like, no, let's go take a town. Let's go take, cause there were, they abandoned their own fucking farms and stuff. And at a certain point, like, no, there's enough of us. We have enough guns. We we're resolute in our purpose that we can go, start our own. They called it the, it's a literal place, the free state of Jones. And what's so cool about this movie is that simultaneously, when you're learning about this story that was happening concurrently, not only during the civil war, but after the civil war, and there's this huge, the entire period from the end of the civil war to the civil rights act being signed in the sixties is called the reconstruction era. And then the Jim Crow law eras where black people are still treated like slaves with segregation and everything like that. And and not being able to vote and all this stuff. It was just, it was, it was a legal way of treating black people as subhuman without being slaves. Sure. So the, this movie does this great job of um, telling the story of what happened during the civil war. And then also of this couple in 1950s, Mississippi, real, this is a real couple who it's, it is, if you looked at them, you'd be like, this is a white couple, but it becomes through public record. It becomes clear that the husband of this marriage is the, Great, 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 great grandson of McConaughey's character who ends up who in during the Civil War marries a slave and has a kid. So he they determine he's one sixteenth black, and because interracial marriage is is still illegal in the 1950s, that these people are being sued and that they have to either annul their marriage or be in prison. Even though you look, you even look at they are white people. Sure. And it shows the the insanity of the fact that that McConaughey, the whole thing that he that his whole legacy and what he fought for and this unbelievable thing that he achieved a hundred years ago in a nation that's 250 years old. So this huge portion of the entire existence of this country and that even after everything he achieved, that's still that far down the road, even when you can't even judge a book by its cover, they're still able to be like, well, according to this piece of paper, you have a little bit of black in you. So your marriage doesn't count. That's so fucking, fucking wild. Crazy. So when you see these fucktards, raiding the Capitol and some of them are carrying a Confederate flag. It's like your people have been consistently disenfranchised by the people that you hold up, which is the, I think I have to give credit where credit's due. I'm amazed at Trump's ability to make the blue collar man think that this guy who was obsessed with having his name in gold gilded letters on top of skyscrapers, Cares he about a him. fuck about him. Yeah. It's the same Not thing, dude. The slave owners wanted Bubba to fight on the front lines of the goddamn civil war. And if every fucking Bubba died, they wouldn't give a fuck as long as they still have their plantation. Sure. That is America. That is something that Canada doesn't have. And that will not go away ever. I mean, it will take hundreds of years to be able to grow past that point because that's still such a generational thing to get back to your original question. That's such a thing. It's so hardwired that as long as the kid rocks and Ted Nugent's are around that there's some hot of Southern pride that makes you forget that all of these fucking blue collar salt of the earth people were expendable. And if you didn't have slaves, which meant that you weren't benefiting from your own government, your own society in the first place, and you were still, there was still the 1% and then the rest of us, you were operation human shield. 
And these people have forgotten that. And that wasn't that long ago. And as the more time that passes, it's easier to forget and just focus on the parts that you like. And this is my culture, my grandpappy, grad, you know, you know, we, he made, he, he sent generations of, of, of Jacobsons to, to college and they did great things off of cotton money. It's like, dude, you owned fucking slaves. You wanted to fucking have the right to keep slaves and your grand, grand, grandpappy gladly would have had every fucking Bubba in the South died if it meant that he got to be Don Johnson and Django Unchained. Like, it's fucking insane. How close do you think that in 2020 that we were, how close to Civil War do you think we were? In 2020? Yes. The George Floyd thing. Because I don't think I don't think George Floyd was the thing that I think January sixth was the closest we've ever been to. That's interesting because I thought that depending on what the verdict was with the cops from George Floyd, that it had the potential that if they were not convicted, that had the potential for civil unrest to the point of a civil war. So that has already happened with Breonna Taylor, and that has been happening all the way back to Rodney King and even before then, since we were kids. Do you remember watching the OJ fucking verdict in grade school? Yes. Okay. I do. This has been happening before we were kids. And so that has been something that's been building up racial tension for decades, let alone, dude, my mom, my mom remembers watching footage on TV of that first black girl being armed guard escorted into the first the school integrated school. This is in our lifetime. We are living this right now. Um, but, but never, that was all society. That was all people on people. We saw three weeks ago, we saw one of the most hollowed, whatever politicians suck. Our politics suck. But the idea of like armed, angry, violently intentioned people entering the most secure building of our government with the, with the specific intention of stopping the, that wasn't a protest. There was a specific mission to stop the election from getting certified. That is the closest I think we've ever been because if for some reason they were able to succeed, whatever that means, the vote didn't finish that day. I truly believe that the Ted Cruz's of the, of Congress would have been like, this is what I've been waiting for. This is why we've, this is what a, the true American spirit is. And then that would have, that would have been the thing that led to an actual civil war. Trump trying to be like after January 20th, I will be here on January 21st. That would be the thing. Okay. That, not individual miscarriages of justice because of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of which are horrible things, but on a much larger scale, it would be the democracy being broken sure. by clear divisions of, I mean, it's, it's undeniable that it's a predominantly white movement that wanted to stop democracy from happening. So that's my, that's my follow-up question is to that event, who is fighting who? In that civil war. That's well, no, two, two different questions. It's not the civil war. The civil war would have just straight up been like against okay. South versus North. But my, my question on that day was who are you fighting against? Because all of a sudden these blue lives matter. People are literally beating the fucking straight up murdered sure. cops. Oh, I support cops when they support what I stand for. But now that you're physically in the way of what I want to do here, even though I don't really know what the fuck I want to do once I get inside the building, you're the enemy. And then, of course, our elected officials, they're the enemy. And if there was any sort of Black Lives Matter or Antifa people there, they're the enemy. And at the press covering it, they're the enemy. And then QAnon is the, they have, it was like, who the fuck is your enemy? What is your target here? It was so fucking insane. And I do feel like if there ever was in our lifetime a civil war, 
it would be awful because especially like right now, if somehow, I don't know. It'd be so undefined. It would just it be, would be so undefined. chaos. Well, it'd, it'd be chaos. It'd be undefined on the, we'll just call it North and South, even though it's, it's more nuanced. The, our military would shut it down so quickly. And I'm sure there would be dissent within. I'm sure there are soldiers like we were talking about with our friend who was in DC, was a, is a leader in the mm-hmm. National Guard. But at the end of the day, let's say you have fucking, the, the, the capital thing happens again, but it's, 80% of them have AR-15s and they're ready for bloodshed and you mow down 2,000. Can you imagine? Can you imagine our government, uh, I'm not going to say murdered, but kills 2,000 Americans in Washington, D.C. and it happens on national TV? Holy fuck, dude. Civil war over. I mean, sure. and then you will always have the people who are like, mother, I fucking hate my government. You probably increase the amount of tinfoil hats that exist in. But like, I don't think we are past it. I don't, just because... Trump is not the president anymore. Doesn't we've made important strides, but there are still people on bloodshed there. The proud boys are still out there. The KKK is still out there. Uh, there are still people in our fucking government. There are still elected officials that want to see so much change from where we're at right now. So like there isn't something like, like slavery and how that it wasn't slavery. wasn't about slavery about slavery. wasn't about human beings. Slavery was about money. Slavery was about industry. Slavery was about like the economy, and honestly, how half of the country benefited more from slavery than the other half. That's a kind of just a sad truth. One of the dumbest things that I see on uh, like social media arguments about whatever, any political social argument, is you will see something very frequently that's like, actually, Democrats were the party of slavery. Look up Vox, V-O-X, does a video about how the history of the Republican and the Democratic Party and in between the mid 1800s and the early 1900s, there was a literal swap of democratic principles used to be Republican principles and vice versa. It's way too complicated for me to explain right now, but it is very worth looking up because when you hear that shit, well, actually, uh, Lincoln was a Republican. Okay. Okay. But everything that he stood for is what the current Democratic yeah. Party is. There is important history there. I, I feel like... I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I just think that in general, like this, there is a group of people out there that are hungry for, I hate Trump, but I, I like to think that I can look at the impeachment hearings and just look at it from like a fact-based thing and like just whatever he's, he's just a piece of shit across the board, but he's being impeached for one thing and setting it right. An objective person can look at what happened and it's not just about that day. He was tweeting about it for weeks. Come here, January 6th, it's going to be wild. He nonstop, literally every single day, was was saying that the election was stolen. He was telling tens of millions of people that democracy has been stolen from you. Dominion Voting Systems is is suing Rudy Giuliani for $1.6 billion right now because they have, he Giuliani has solely placed this uh, insurrection of democracy on this company that runs our voting machines. Like mm-hmm. that, like... Prominent figures in the Republican Party have been spouting daily. As long as they're awake, they're saying the election has been stolen. You should be pissed off. The American thing to do is to stand up against oppression. And then they lost. And you can't. And then all of a sudden that switched over to fucking rally. The troops don't try to me to like, it's a time for healing. We need to move on. I was like, dude, no, people literally died because of this. Um, so that's why this impeachment is important, but the impeachment is going to make the people who are angry, angrier, but it's important societally and historically to set that precedent of like, 
the people who try to abuse power at this level in the future need to, there are repercussions, not just like, Oh, we look back at them in shame. Like you need to be at the very least barred from holding public office in the future, let alone maybe imprisoned or have financial repercussions or whatever. But the Bubba's of the world are still going to identify with MAGA nation and have their flags. And every time Biden does anything, they're going to take it as an affront to them. And all they need is a leader to say, fucking mount up, dude, grab your gun, grab your gun that Biden's going to try to take away from you from someday. And we are not out of the woods here in terms of like there being a potential civil war. I just don't think it, there's not something like racism that was so ubiquitous. Like so many people not only benefited from racism, but just like everyday life literally depended on slavery because of the amount of money sure. that it generated. That's not pride and values and like your, how you identify and your religion and what you individually, like uh, you taking my guns while those are powerful things. It's not as much of a just fucking crazy reality that like, if you take slavery away from us, regardless of morals, that it will like shatter life as we know it. There is nothing that's on the table right now. No president ever is, first of all, no one has ever taken guns away. It just hasn't happened. Things like there being restrictions on bump stocks. If you, as a gun loving person think that not in the States, it doesn't happen. Not on a federal level. Yeah. Australia, they did it No, on a federal America. Okay. Yes. yes. And not only did that happen in Australia, but public opinion is fully supportive of it. And there hasn't been a mass shooting in 30 years after they did that though. Well, yes. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to argue with. And I'm sure there's still people who are like, well, fuck man, I like to have my drug, but okay. I'm sorry. But like data is data. Sure. Also that's, they don't have there. People here in America literally think that the second amendment is a quote, God given right. Think about that. Sounds think about the fact that's that, that something that was voted on three centuries ago, and we even even the most conservative Bible thumper thinks that the earth is 6,000 years old. So you think that God somehow ensured your individual American right to own guns? Like, that's such a fucking crazy concept. So while those are impassioned things, those are still very individualistic things. Slavery was literally like a full societal thing that even, even though the North didn't, implement there were slaves in the north but it was like a one one hundredth yeah, sure. but the north still depended on slave labor for like they, they needed cotton they needed fucking whatever every textile industry everything that came from slave labor the north still depended on it it just got to the point where they're like this is not sustainable just the other interesting thing about that too is that like looking back at it or, or looking at how this the states are how they are positioned now, Wisconsin is not a progressive state. Like, right. So right. like the, the North versus the South thing seems so weird to me. What? Well, it's not even that when you look at, so like Austin, there are many, um, it's not as, it doesn't happen as much down South as it does up North, but like, so you have these blueberry, it's called like the blueberry in a strawberry field or like okay. a blue dot in an in tomato soup where it's like, what it really is, is across America, even California, it's so easy. People are like, oh God, Californians are like this dude. No, California is like outside of San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco is like rural as fuck, dude. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's becoming more about like who's in cities and who's out of cities. And yes, there are still like underlying things about the South and the North, but for the, and Wisconsin is a perfect example of it. 
that like you have Madison, you have Milwaukee, and then even within Milwaukee, it's divided. But compared to the farmlands, sure. And when you watch the presidential election, you can see that Madison and Milwaukee was the determining factor for the entire state. But everything else is a guaranteed red outside of those areas. A lot of cities work that way. Uh, Michigan, very very red outside of the cities. Minnesota, very very red outside of the cities. Uh, I think New England is probably one of the areas that's just most like consistently blue regardless of city centers but like for most of the country it's like cities are blue rural areas are red and then that's not something that can be solved with like well let's go back to fucking let's do the north and south because it's still unless you can just get people to agree so there was a show on hbo that came out last year that i think is phenomenal it's called um the plot against america came out on hbo last year sound familiar at all no not at all so it's a mini series. For, I think I think we tr- truly fucking live in the golden age of television, and especially with COVID, I think because now movies are just being straight up released direct to HBO Max or Netflix or sure. whatever. Well, there still will be a difference between like TV studios and movie studios, like TV, and not even TV because that that implies like cable. Like NBC is showing this to you over your TV, but like you could be watching this on your computer. The best TV ever is being made. No. In our certainly our lifetime, if not like now, the last five years, um, FX, AMC, sure as fuck HBO. I truly think HBO is on a flawless run, and they cover a, a lot of different areas in terms of like culturally or like this is a drama, this is a comedy, this is a historical piece, this is a futuristic thing. Westworld's futuristic. Boardwalk Empire is the prohibition. Everything they do is fucking amazing, dude, and um. So they, so, uh, last year plot against America. So it is historical, you know, historical fiction where it's like, it's a, it's, um, saving private Ryan is historical fiction okay. it's based in real events. Okay. And, but then you insert dialogue and characters and stuff like, so make a story. So the plot again, well, but you, it's an, it's still an existing story. Like saving private Ryan is based on real, not only just world war two happened, but like there was an event that, like that, but then you yeah, like that family exists. Yeah. But we need like the Tom Hanks character sure. and we need the fucking Vin Diesel character or whatever. So, so the plot against America is a, is based on the reality that when I'm going to, I always fuck up the, the Roosevelt's, but I'm going to say FDR, you know, Charles Lindbergh is, he was, he was a famous pilot. He was known for like flying across the, mm. the world. And there was a, this famous thing that happened with the Lindbergh baby being, kidnapped and and the Lindbergh family was blackmailed to and the baby died and everything it was the whole thing. So anyways, Lindbergh was when you look back at it very trumpian but what Trump should be like refined. It was easy. It was it was it felt good to support someone like him. Um who he was so pro-American but he was also like actually a successful person, not just someone who like touted himself as successful. He's educated. He is actually devoutly religious and not someone who would hold up a Bible upside down and couldn't tell you who is, what his favorite book from the Bible was or, or actually doesn't display any sort of Christ-like qualities. Like Trump is this like shitbag imitation of what he should have been to actually succeed. The real life Charles Lindbergh was this like all American example of like a great white man who loves white culture. And he was really easy to support. And um, in real life, he ran for president after establishing his like celebrity status. And he had a very like, 
guy, I think I always forget his first name. Who who established the Ford company? Robert Ford or or uh Henry. Henry Ford. Henry Ford was a proudly anti-Semitic man. He openly talked about how he hated Jews. He didn't trust them. He actively lobbied the U.S. government to There's not nothing Jewish about horsepower. To, I'll tell you that to, to not get involved in World War II. Like that is their own problem. Let them deal with it. So what this show does is goes along. So uh, Lindbergh loses the presidential election. In the show, he wins, and then it literally talks about how that would have unfolded if he won, okay. and that like nationalistic like pro-america but anti the parts of america that i don't like would have played out and it really like the muslim ban was happening at the same time that this show came out and it talked about like how this would have rolled out with like this is how nazi germany got started that jews got put into ghettos at first it was just like listen there's cultural differences here we, we're not gonna like put you in camps and kill you or whatever we just need you to all like congregate in the same place sure. and have identification and just like not mix or whatever sure. and then it made them easy to eradicate and it basically shows the same thing starting to happen in America, where at no point in time does President Lindbergh ever say, fuck the Jews, but with titans of industry like Henry Ford proudly saying it, it emboldens everyone from the 1% down to the bubbas of like, fuck yeah, this is, I've always known that this is what America is, and now our leader is the embodiment of it, and it turns into horrible shit, and it is not a stretch of the imagination That's and it's, not- it's just wonderfully well done. And it's just a six episode thing. It's one season or whatever, but it really just talked about like how this would have played out if America went that way. And when you have the leader of your country beating the drum of ignorance and division and hatred, and it justifies it, sure. It, then it relieves everyone else of guilt. Be, not only guilt, when you replace guilt with national pride, yeah, what you do scary. is limitless. It's very yeah. scary and limitless what you can do. Um, so yeah, that's I, was that produced before Trump got in office? Uh, yes, but it, but I don't. That's not a new con- Trump is the worst example of it, but that's not a new concept, you know. Like, I get that. I'm just saying, like to like base a real life example of mm. it. So like Trump would have taken that ex- that scenario and made it exponentially worse. Yeah, Trump is Trump is fucking Trump is the sloppy. He's like the. Jeff Foxworthy, Ron White version of <laughs> of what you think Charles Lindbergh is. He's so embarrassing, but uh, the, but there's something about that that got embraced. But yeah, but he's a real man, you know. Like okay, yeah, he's he's not like a fancy, you know, educated guy, but he pulled himself up by his bootstraps and he, you know, spoke his mind and, and did what he believed in and didn't want to be restricted by the government. All of his flaws are overlooked by the other thing of him jangling the keys over here. But, but yeah, but I'm, I'm richer than you and I'm happy and I'm successful and I marry supermodels and I'm on TV and it doesn't matter. All the other things don't pay attention to that. Don't pay attention to the fact that I've literally gone bankrupt four times and that I've been divorced three times and that I have all of these horrible lawsuits against me. And that I'm literally friends with Jeffrey Epstein, literally, that's not even a debatable thing. I, all, I, I have given so much credit. You and I both really like Usual Suspects. Yes. My favorite line from that movie is the greatest trick that the devil, devil ever pulled was convincing people he didn't exist. That is Trump. He somehow masterfully figured out how to convince the Bubbas that he is their best friend and that he is their, their savior. And that no one else, even even if you ask the Bubbas, 
during the Bush administration, they would have been like, oh, you know, Bush is the, is, is the, is the Messiah. He's the greatest that has ever happened. Bush looks like a fucking pussy compared to Trump. When you talk about the things that these people focus on, when you have five living presidents from diametrically opposed political parties unifying after an event like January 6th, which Carter, Clinton, Bush, Obama, I'm blanking on one. Uh, they literally all made statements on how ridiculous, not just the ridiculous, literally specifically pointed out that this is a failure at best, a failure of leadership, if not a culpable event of the president, that this is his fault. That's wild. It's, it's, it's fucking wild, dude. Since this conversation has taken a political slash racial tone to it, yeah, that we should end on who is the political candidate that is not currently in the system that is like the i don't know dream guy is the right word but like who who is the person that is out there who could fix most of this i think um i'm not gonna say fix most of this but who i think is going to be a star in 15 years is pete Buttigieg, and because i like i i feel the burn i liked um I don't, uh, I don't know who that is Bernie Sanders. Oh, uh, Pete, Pete Buttigieg is the, uh, he, he was one of the many people who ran for uh, president. He is, he's gay. Okay. That doesn't, that's not the thing that like triggers it. No. So I, he, I, he I, is I, the I, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, or was, um, he was the, he is the first openly gay man that has ever run for president. He is a vet. He speaks seven languages. He has a doctorate. He is, uh, I mean, he's, Unbelievable. He checks from an American standpoint. Checks all he the checks all the, not all the, a lot of boxes. Uh, there is this video that I'm so glad that this exchange was captured because it just is so quintessential to the world that we as Americans live in right now is that it came out from the Buttigieg. Um, it was during the primaries and this woman who like pretty much looks like my mom. And this is in the Ohio primaries. This woman, she's wearing a jean jacket and she's got these buttons. She's all happy and bubbly. And she says like team, uh, mayor Pete, like that's his like nickname kind of thing. I'm all like team mayor Pete. Like I love mayor Pete. He's like a good looking, well-spoken, well-educated white guy. Okay. Um, she, she knows she's being filmed. She's literally like waving at the camera. She's like handing in her ballot and she's like, Oh, you know, I love Pete. Like I'm all for mayor Pete. And then she starts talking with this staffer and within three sentences of exchange of each other, it is brought to her attention that, Pete is gay and it, she, it's like she got hit by a truck. It's like, she just got told that aliens are on earth and you didn't know. And she's like, wait, I mean, do other people know that? And the staff was like, I mean, it's literally like a part of his, she says it very nicely, but she's like, yeah, it's like common knowledge. Like it's, it's part of his platform that he's like the like LGBT candidates. Sure. And it just, it's this information is in the staffer keeps trying to go back to like, you know, we're so excited that you're like, you're on like team Pete, whatever. And like, what are the things that you're really excited about what he's doing? And it's just like, she's kind of silent and it's sinking in. And then she's like, can I take my vote back? Like she literally in five oh minutes God. went from fuck. Yeah. I like the idea of this guy from what I've heard and seen or whatever hands in her vote. And then finds out one thing about him that has nothing to do with actual politics but just the fact that he has a husband and she goes to embarrassed. Oh my God. That is a quintessentially American thing. And the fact that it it was great that she even at any point was able to be like on team Pete. And it was just that one thing that, that took her off. But I do think, so he is now, um, 
he's in Biden's cabinet, okay. which is good. I do. I think it's really good when presidential candidates, as long as they aren't like crazy asshole fringe people like Sheriff David Clark, those people shouldn't be brought into the cabinet. But if you have qualified people who have national interests and actual political experience, those people should be brought into the cabinet to be like the secretary of defense, various ambassadors of different countries, uh, secretary of urban housing, secretary of education. Betsy DeVos was a fucking embarrassment. It had no right being in that position. Everyone that is now in this cabinet has um, ha- all have unbelievable pedigree and um, uh, credentials and education. And all of these people deserve their job. You can disagree with their platforms. You can't disagree with the fact that they're fully qualified for their job. Mm-hmm. Mayor Pete has a couple of things going against him. One is his age. He is super, he was in his like his mid thirties. The two presidential choices this year were the two oldest men, which is insane when you think about like all the way back to like Washington or whatever, that in 2020, they were the oldest two men who have ever been the, that's, that's yeah. Crazy. Um, I still think as much as I, 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 between the choices, it was not a question to me between Hillary and Trump. I, but, I would, I didn't want Hillary in 2016. She just wasn't the right choice. She, there are things about her that I felt about Obama early on. Obama came off as very smug. And I was like, dude, you can't do that. Like I get that. You know that you're smart and you're accomplished and shit. You're automatically ostracizing millions if not tens of millions of people by coming off as like, I'm smug. college educated. Yeah. Smug. Like don't be fucking smug. Yeah. Hillary calling these other people deplorables. Fuck you. So fucking dumb because when you're elected, Regardless of what Trump did, you're supposed to represent everyone, including those people who didn't vote for you. And you just said, fuck you to every single person who's not going to vote for you. Dumb. Mayor Pete. So America is still, even if there was someone like Elizabeth Warren is someone who was way more um, diplomatic than Hillary. I just think culturally speaking, even if there was a Hillary equivalent on the Republican side, America is, it sucks, is not ready for a woman president. Just not. Sorry. And the, the, even I think for many elections after this, the closest we're going to get is, or the most realistic scenario is that we have a male president with a female VP and the president dies, which could happen in the next four years or the next 45 days. Who knows? Um, it just, here's what I think is, is more likely than having a female president, having a gay white male who is religious is we've never had an, an, uh, identified atheist president ever. Okay. We've never had an identified gay president ever. Although I'm it's just from a numbers game. It's more, it's entirely possible that there has been a gay man as president before. I think being white, being straight and being religious, just historically speaking are super important things to the, to the, to the most ma- people masses, yeah. into the masses. So uh, I think being gay is less detrimental to your candidacy chance than being atheist. And I think both those things are ridiculous. Um, I think being in a heterosexual marriage is really important. These are just people want to see themselves in the president, sure. even though I know a lot of people who like, shouldn't just, uh, I wouldn't want to see me as president. I'm not a good, I'm not good. I'm not presidential fiber. Like I don't want to see like some sort of Dave equivalent in the white house. So nobody does. <laughs> no, I'm okay with that. Um, but I think that there are many other things, many other unlikely scenarios that would happen first in our lifetime before a female president, even if they're entirely qualified and of the right age. That, so all that being said, I think Mayor Pete, given 15 or 20 years of 
more national and federal level government experience, which is happening right now because he's now in the cabinet. I don't remember his specific position um, because it's just time. People care about having an older person because they're more experienced. Um, he's going to have uh, international experience undeniably, regardless of whether you agree with it or not uh, from as an individual, America will be more, supportive and more just like legally uh integrated of like the rights of the lgbt community will just be more of a like a part of who we are as america in 20 years as opposed to the, the election that just happened so the idea of a gay man in his 50s who is devoutly religious which he is who has uh incredible pedigree college educated fought for his country knows seven languages has served in multiple administrations is a white man oh, that checks so many boxes. And then the thing is going to be like, well, you're not a young kid in your thirties and you're not a fucking heathen atheist. I do think that he could be president in 15 years. I like, so I like Bernie and I like Betty O'Rourke and, and they're like 50 years apart or whatever. Both of them are way too um, fringe. They're too progressive. Beto literally said during the debates, oh, yeah, I'm going to take your guns. Dude, you literally just, Pun intended, you shot yourself in the foot. No, you don't get to do that. On either side, you have to represent everyone. Even if you actually intend to, to implement gun reform that is more dramatic than we've ever seen, don't fucking run on that. And I'm not saying lie either, but just don't that don't make that your soapbox thing. Like, goddamn right, I'm going to take your fucking guns. And Bernie's the same way where he's so fucking hell-bent on bringing down the banks and stuff. And I get that, but don't... Can't run on that. Yeah, don't fly that flag. I think Biden is boring compared to Obama and people think he's going to be like, Oh, this is Obama part two. No, dude, this next four years are going to be straight up boring. And I'm fine with that compared to the last four years. Absolutely. Uh, is there anyone that you think from what you know of like the Cory Bookers and Elizabeth Warren and the, the fucking no, Klobuchar? I, and I, these... No, not, not no. And the I, my pillow CEO. Yeah, <laughs> that, that guy. I mean, and I, my mom bought me two of those pills and they are terrible. Yeah. But they're stuffed with patriotism and Christ love. I feel like we we need somebody who is first and foremost empathetic and who is completely outside of the political system, which sounds like all those people that you listed are still bred inside of that system. Yeah. But, okay, so I feel like Obama would be the closest person that I'd say was an empathetic president in our lifetime, yep. right? Yep. Is that fair to say? Sure. I feel like that's the biggest thing that's missing is like, take somebody who like actually can resonate and cares about people and make decisions based off of that. Completely outside of the political system. I, don't, don't have an agenda. Just make decisions of like, oh, these are people. What is in the best interest? But don't you think that that person should still be, and I know that the, the word politician has like a stigma, but don't you think that that person should still have experience operating within the political system? Not necessarily. And like, I don't, I know this has brought, been brought up before and I don't want to suggest that this is the answer, but someone that is on the same platform as, this can sound stupid, but The Rock. Like someone who is empathetic, smart, Businessman can make all these great decisions. So I, I legit think that if Oprah ran, um, I'm not saying that she's qualified. I would say by the standards that you're talking about, Oprah would be more, she's a more successful, The Rock is insanely successful. I'm not taking that away. But 
she and she's older. Mm. She resonates more with minorities. Mm. She is a more successful person. She's a bigger success story. The Rock doesn't like the Samoan thing is like not as much of a pull yourself up from your bootstraps as a the black woman thing. Sure. Um, but on that same level, yes, I do feel like that that could be something that has that's a completely out of left field deal. And I feel more comfortable about it. And I'm way more conservative than you are, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I like that. Like, it, it needs to be something completely different than what we have dealt with. Do you think that, so you were, I mean, you said yourself that like, and it's all relative, but like in our lifetime, Obama was the closest thing to that. Mm -hmm. Do you still see that as like an abject failure? Like that we still need to go way the fuck away from that, that it needs to be someone who's like not within the political system to get to what we need. Cause I still think about someone like the rock or uh, Oprah and you still have the people. There are still people who will hate them when Obama or when uh, the rock endorsed o uh, Biden and Harris that go look at the fucking videos that he did. There's the comment section are full of people who feel betrayed by like, oh, I thought I watched you in all the Fast and Furious movies. And uh, seriously, dude, these people identified with him because of characters, because he was in the fucking sure, WWE. You're an American. You were given a chance and a wonderful career, even though you're a minority. And now you're abandoning us by going with the Democrats. It's like, that's, there will still be these problematic undertones that even though you have like someone who's not a politician, it still becomes a two-party thing. I think that's the bigger problem. Sure. Yes, the two-party thing has gone for a fucking another eight hours. But like two-party thing is is a stupid system. Like yeah. I, I fucking hate it. Like I don't want to identify with one party. Yeah. Like I agree on certain issues and I want the candidate who agrees on the most amount of issues to be the person who's leading the right? Republican. I, I don't understand about the two. I don't like, understand in the last two elections, how there hasn't been a Republican, a fiscally conservative Republican. And that applies to like immigration and military spending and stuff who is socially, I'm just gonna say centrist, not even progressive. Just a, you run a not senior citizen Republican who is okay with gay marriage. That dude wins hands down. No fucking question. Sure. Both parties are so obsessed with running candidates who are the diametric oppositions of each other. And it's like, if you just ran someone who is even remotely centrist, but still in certain aspects, like aligned with who your party is, but wasn't like. I hate everything else about the other party. And you're just like, I'm okay with gay people getting married, but we need to protect, protect our borders and invest in the military. Dude, landslide landslide. I might even vote for that person because I'm me. And a lot of the people like me are more concerned about people being treated like humans and less concerned about tax code. Sure. That's oversimplifying, but like, that's a lot easier to get on board with than the person who's like, the, what the white Christian Lord needs to be beside me in the white house. And just like the, I just, just pump the brakes on being so swinging for the fucking fences of your hardcore fan base. And just like, I feel like somebody who is completely outside of the political system who has made himself from nothing. And again, I'm not suggesting the rock, but just take him for example yep. to, you know, from basically complete, almost homeless to uh, the, one of the most su su successful people in the world. Yep. Empathetic, intelligent, right? Who gives a fuck? about the rest of it. Those three qualities of like, you can take yourself from nothing and build yourself into something. You are smart and you care about people. The rest of it, 
all comes together on itself. Yeah. Agreed. I think part of that too, is that we put too much emphasis on uh, like the president is the administration. Sure. And it blew my mind. I guess it doesn't blow my mind because this is what has happened every other time, but with Trump being president, normal is gone. It just goes gone. Just is. Um, So it blew my mind that like when, even before Biden became president, but just like during the primaries, like run with your team. I think about sports and I think about like when, a when there's going to be like a new head coach and that head coach has like offensive coordinators and stuff that he loves and has worked with successfully in the past. And he's like, I'm going to bring this to the fucking Packers organization. People get psyched about that. Cause they're like, Oh, you have all these different skill sets and the head coach doesn't do everything. And everyone knows that everyone knows every real sports fan knows that the head coach isn't doing 100% of everything for that team. So when you talk about that from as a president and then their cabinet, it, I, I don't get why you don't like, I get initially like you, you have the debates and everything, but when it starts, when it's no longer 12 candidates and it's like two candidates call, tell us your team. I know that those people need to get appointed and approved or whatever, but it come to the table with like, this is who I'm going to bring to the table this, this is my 13 person cabinet. And not only are they qualified, but I'm also going to have, I'm Joe Biden and I have four devoutly conservative people in my cabinet because they're financial experts because they come from the urban community. And now they're going to be the head of urban housing. Like what a, what a uh, bridge gapping thing that you could do before you're even elected to be like, you're not just voting for me. You're voting for my entire team behind me. And I'm already reaching across the aisle and saying, I sure. want conservatives on my team, but they're the right conservative. Not all conservatives and liberals are created equal. So you can have experts who are also decent human beings, regardless of political party as a part of your thing. I don't get why that has, that has never happened ever. Would not to get too deep into this, but would you be pro getting rid of the two party system? Yes. But, but that doesn't happen through people just going to the polls and voting third party. It would literally need to be something that's implemented during an administration that we are forming a third party that would allow for existing sitting members of Congress to choose if they want to branch off from their current party. It would need to be implemented before an election. It will never happen with just the people rising up and be like green party. Yeah. If we get enough votes, no, that literally it's impossible. It is a statistic impossibility um, to just be established because of how people vote, especially with how the electoral college works Mm -hmm. because the electoral college can still say, yeah, we hear how you voted, but that doesn't change the fact that this country is run on a two party system. Therefore, the whole reason that we're put in place as electors is that we can vote to maintain a two party system. So it would have to be something that is structurally implemented in the middle of an administration. So it doesn't seem like a power play or whatever. And maybe it's something that's implemented by like the Supreme court and not the sitting president or something. So it doesn't seem like something that's um, preferential to the sitting party. And one last thing on that is that of all of the terrible things that happened over the last four years, the one thing that I can actually walk away from the Trump administration and feel better than I initially felt about. Cause I was scared about his uh, Supreme court appointees. And I was like, Holy shit. He's putting his cronies as, as awful as the Kavanaugh hearings were and everything. Just looking at how they've functioned and ruled thus far, they're still, despite the fact that they were Trump appointees and he, and he has appointed more Supreme court justices than any president ever. And the Supreme court is, is now more conservatively stacked than it's ever been. Those justices have operated as 
professionals at the level of dignity that is expected of the court, regardless of the fact that they came from Trump, including them deciding unanimously to not hear two different cases that related to the, you know, steal of, of election fraud and things like that. Um, it also related to other things in terms of um, something about gay rights and something about um, uh, transgender people serving in the military. A lot of times the Supreme court saying we will not hear this is in and of itself a ruling. That's them saying we sure. will not, that's us saying we will not change established precedent, which in and of itself is them saying we're supporting this, Whatever it is, yeah. not justifying it, but we're also going to maintain it. So uh, as much as I don't like Amy Coney Barrett and Kavanaugh, they have so far, especially during Trump, when they could have done crazy things and been supported by the sitting president, they haven't. And that's like the one thing I've walked away with all the crazy shit that Trump did and allowed to happen that it's been kind of encouraging. Like, okay, there's still some semblance of sanity within, you can still do things that I disagree with, but not like things that like actively destroy democracy. And like I said, I, I was, I've never at no point in time during the primaries was I like jacked on Biden. But what I am excited about is that he will be boring. I think Harris is a good, just from in terms of the glass ceilings being broken and stuff, uh, I, female president, a minority president, a black or a vice president, a South Asian vice president. Like she's a legal professional. Like there's all these good boxes that have been checked and we've already seen within, there's only been like two weeks so far, not even. And we've just seen like dignity, normal press conferences that aren't fucking insane. The tweets that come from the official accounts of the president's office are just like factual and not done from the shitter at three in the morning. Like sure. these are important things that just need, can we just get back to sanity and whatever, you can start tearing him apart based on like policy decisions and stuff. But as long as it's not some sort of fucking cloud shell. Yeah, like megalomaniac dumpster fire. Like, can we just get back to that? I had every intention of this discussion being about like our silly travel stories and like how much our dads are not the awesomest dads or whatever. I had all these, I have this fucking list here that we didn't literally didn't talk about a single thing on. But um, I hope that you come back to my home. In Austin, I mean, I'm going to say it for the world. I have a huge listening base. I don't know if you know that, but like like 50 million people. Hey, um, I think you need to move to Austin. I think your life has been slowly evaporating in Milwaukee for a long time in terms of the things that you like about Milwaukee and your social life. And, you, you know, you're dating not even in your own state anymore and things like that. So we need to get you down to here. And um, we're going to Uncle Touchy's basement podcast is going to be a huge thing so oh yeah man we need you down here any yeah. any closing statements what sparked this trip of me coming down uh was obviously to hang out with you which uh normally we would do half a dozen times a year and some for travel or, or for the record you haven't been here in two years but yeah okay. but you would come to see me because because yep, i'm a better I'm, friend i'm yep. worth seeing and i'm a better friend yeah. uh and even though you live in a worse place but yeah, yeah yeah uh and also that we were uh planning to see uh chappelle and brogan and chappelle got covid uh i am thoroughly looking forward to uh that lifestyle coming back and our fucking crazy debauchery type trips and going to see weird fucking comedians that only we like uh <laughs> i'm more than thrilled for what is about to come so me too and uh yeah i love you i love you too and yeah. and uh sorry about the packers <laughs> 
Uh, thank you for listening to the Mind Mill Podcast. There's going to be a video episode soon. Uh, Jamie and I went camera shopping yesterday, and uh, f- you know I'm figuring shit out. We're going to get back to the video format, but um, I'm going to be making episodes as frequently as I can. Uh, please like and subscribe uh, to the Mind Mill Podcast with Dave Perry on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And I look forward to just, I mean, this is um, a passion of mine that I'm making zero money off of, but it doesn't matter. And I'm doing this out of my home and it's from the bottom of my heart. And I'm looking forward to telling cool stories with cool people and just, you know, doing my fucking thing. And I appreciate you listening and supporting. And um, uh, to quote Jimmy, uh, white power, right? Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Tune in again soon. Catch it. Talk too much for too long